If somebody wants to wade in and say, <laughs> Bruce News, disappointing, <laughs> fair enough. Um, I, I still think it's uh, a little bit contemptuous because we do go to the effort and I go to considerable effort to explain myself. Um, and in this particular <laughs> instance, I can't believe old mate asked for more information, please. <laughs> so you gave it to him. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt has been bringing you the world's best local and imported malts. They have also been bringing you probably the world's best local and imported news on the beer scene. This is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and it is a pleasure to welcome back my co-host, Matt Kierkegaard, live from Brews News HQ in Brisbane. G'day, Matt. Good morning, Pete. Yes, it is sort of Brews News HQ these days. We've we've got a, a, a very small little office. It's becoming uh, quite the crowded house as uh, we welcome a new staff member this week who readers may have seen some of the, uh, the, the work from Claire Burnett, who's uh, joined us as we sadly lose uh, Megan to uh, foreign climes and great adventures. New York, New York, the city that never sleeps, the city of lights, or is that Paris? Anyway, she's going to have a lot of fun. She is. Uh, 12 months, yes. Uh, So she's leaving to take up a great opportunity. Can we give a little bit of a shout out to any of our listeners who may be listening who know people in Newark, um, New York? Have we reached out to John Hull yet? We haven't. I'll do that. Um, Yeah, I think we need to do that and get him to look after our sister for us. I'm sure she'll be in very good hands, but it does sort of feel like, you know, the the fledgling is leaving the nest. So... um, before we do, I guess, officially say goodbye to Megan, it's uh, probably worthwhile thanking her for all that she has done with Bruce News, particularly, in, I guess, freeing us up to do this sort of stuff that we do that is becoming, I'm not saying the printed word is dead, Matt, um, because as we saw this week, um, even one word can generate quite a bit of interest when it comes to um, to beer writing. Um, but... I think the podcast certainly, the more people I speak to and, and having gone through Good Beer Week and Gabs particularly, the number of people who would come up and just sort of say, you know, love what you do, listen to the podcast all the time, uh, along with, and, and you find out that they listen to all these other various podcasts, True Crime, I reckon we need to get into that, Matt, that, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's where the big money is, mate. If we could combine like somebody who was killed like with a beer bottle or something like that, or there was a, a you know, a murdered brewer, we could do just one podcast um, and make... Twice as much, not money. We're going to work, we're going to work out how to make money out of this now. I'm not saying that there was a crime committed, but I've been doing a little bit of uh, investigation into uh, some unanswered questions. Is that the same thing as true crime? It could be. It's, there's got to be at least a little bit of blood and or gore. Well, there, there wasn't, um, fortunately. And, and I was alluding to my chat with Martin Dickey um, from Brewdog, and there, there was there was no blood or gore uh, left on the table. It was uh, well, perhaps we, before we get into the news headlines proper. Uh, we might just do a little bit of a teaser uh, trailer for uh, you know a special episode of uh, Beer is a Conversation this week where you did have a chat with Martin Dickey. You and I have been, or well, you were there, so you listened to it. Uh, we've had a chance to listen to the unedited version, which we're going to put up. Gee, I tell you what, geez, you're working Joe hard this week, aren't you? Matt, yeah, actually, that's probably yeah, worth explaining. How much so, content? So, so just very quickly, um, we decided that uh, because we were going to be talking about it, albeit briefly, uh, on the podcast today, that we put it up as a special beer as a conversation. Um, it was quite timely. I think uh, Beer and Brewer and uh, Crafty Pint spoke to him on the same day and sort of ran articles the same day, but we wanted to hold off and so listeners could hear the full conversation rather than the uh, the, the, the printed highlights. Um, but that's also in the context 
there is quite the fire hose of content coming out at the moment, as listeners will see. Uh, hot on the heels of Good Beer Week and Gabs Melbourne, um, we've got our trade panels that are going. We've also got some great uh, chats um, that are part of our Brews News Live series, uh, thanks to Bintani, that will be uh, going up over the next uh, couple of weeks as well. Um, you know, profits, it's one of those things that we're very conscious of not over-taxing our uh, listeners um, with with too much uh, content and making sure it's quality content, but at the same time, as I described last week, it, it is a little bit like Netflix. Um, we're creating content. You can either binge on it, you can you know hold it for later. You don't have to listen to it uh, in order. Bruce News Week is a little bit more timely. The rest of it stuff, uh, the, the the rest of the interviews and the conversations, I like to think are timeless, Prof. So uh, we figured oh, 100%. that... 100%. And to that, if we were to, you know, fire hose with content, our dear and loyal listeners, the Martin Dickey interview, which will go up about the same time as this episode of Bruges News Week, is probably the only one that's not time critical, but is perhaps a little bit more relevant if you listen to it now, because it talks about events uh, that are ongoing and predictions for the future. Whereas the rest of the content, all the stuff, the, the Bintani series was absolutely sensational. Like the people that we've spoken to, really quality interviews, and you've done really well um, getting <laughs> working around uh, trying circumstances uh, audiologically, but they're not necessarily, you don't, don't need to listen to them right now. They're, those sort of things are, are perhaps a little bit more, um, listen, to, pop them in the queue of your your. Uh, of your podcast listening and then uh, listen to them when it suits you absolutely yeah so uh but yes um given that brewdog has been a bit of a hot topic um on the podcast thought i'd drop that at the same time so if you want to hit pause yeah. and go yeah. listen to that and then come back and uh, listen to our you know, very very brief discussion we won't sort of go into it too much because you've heard it um, but i'll just sort of give you a little bit of my impressions uh from the conversation what's on the news for this week prof Oh, news this week. I'm glad you asked, Matt. Well, in news this week, um, the first article that I guess popped up uh, of interest was the brewery apologises for Crips and Bloods inspired beers. Now, this was uh, a brewery's decision. It was a Seattle-based brewery, Mirage Beer. They decided to release a pair of beers with a Crips and Bloods theme. Uh, Who then came out. <laughs> no, no, just uh, and, correct me. Was, they're, they're street gangs in. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, well, not. I thought it, well, I'm just so showing I thought that was, I'm not really street. I know. Well, I thought it was... Um, They're well, LA gangs, just, aren't they? Well, yeah. Well, I, I think so. I thought it was um, a West Side Story reference, but then again, I got Herman Melville wrong. I, no, I, no, I, did, that, I had, that was the Jets I had, and the I Sharks, had Hemingway, so, Hemingway so they were... writing, uh, <laughs> writing um, Moby Dick rather than Herman <laughs> Melville, so what do I know? But anyway, so... Um, it, Two it, gangs. It's quite a sensitive... Um, subject, uh, you know, a lot of people have suffered, and you know, there's been a lot of blood spilt um, in. Um, and the, 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 then you throw in cultural appropriation and a whole lot more. The two beers, uh, one called Snitch Blood, and uh, the other Where You From. So apart from the appalling English, um, they were cans decorated to look like the red and blue bandanas worn by the rival gangs. And um, but the important thing I, I think is the post advertising them was deleted. Um, after reportedly receiving a lot of negative backlash. Um, and the comments appear to be disabled for the brewery's newest post. So so that's the summary of, of the story. And look, again, as you can tell, we probably haven't gone too deeply into the cultural background of, of this story because it's not one that... Um, it, it wasn't the real factor that we wanted to talk about in highlighting the news. It, it was really more of a case of we are increasingly seeing, you know, 
when, when small breweries had very limited distribution, um, you know, it, it was a much smaller business. Um, you had a whole lot of breweries going, hey, isn't this a great name for a beer? And that was all the thought they needed. And if it made your mate laugh, you would release it. Um, you know, you would either sort of do a label up and release it. Beer is becoming much bigger. Social media has a real um, megaphone. And we are seeing people that, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's a bit of a laugh or a good idea to them. But then when it hits the wide world, um, it's causing all sorts of uh, kerfuffle. And this is an example of that. And I think, uh, you know, we saw it last year with uh, Pussy Juice. Don't want to go back into that too much. But the thing that I really, um, apart from that, you know, think about what you're um, labelling. Um, and also, you know, the thing that really stood out for me was the way that um, Mirage Beer and the owner completely um, owned the mistake that he'd made. You know, very, very quickly afterwards, there was no, you know, oh, you guys are being soft, there's nothing wrong with this. I think he saw it um, straight away and it was almost as if the scales dropped from his eyes. He goes, well, well, geez, you are right. And I think it's fair to say, Prof, that he threw himself on the sword. And Yeah, um, and, and this is where, I guess, it's the story within the story. It's it, it, We all make mistakes, but I think it's how we own those mistakes and how we recover from them that says a lot more about, I guess, your brand and about your, I guess, your, your personal investment in your brand, if that makes sense. Um, how this was handled, I think, uh, probably gave them more credibility than than the initial backlash took off them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess time will tell about that. But I, I guess it's it's easier to say, well, you know, these things happen. I, I guess the point that this raises is brewers, you know, as an industry, we need to put a little bit more thought before we say and do things because it can have major repercussions and secondly um, once he realized like a you know there was a real ownership of the issue there was no you know there's no i'm sorry if anybody was offended it's i'm sorry people were offended and they were right to be offended um which was a a, a pretty big statement and again i'll just sort of um you know and, and even there was obviously the the usual debate that you see there were people who were complaining um about the name and all of the issues behind that and then there was the, um, you know, echo uh, from the other side, sort of d you know, describing people as being too sensitive, you know, soft, snowflake, all of those sorts of things. I was really, really impressed that Mirage Beer in a post on uh, Medium that we might cut and paste into the, that I'll cut and paste into the notes, Prof, basically saying to the people who are saying this is not offensive or, um, you know, this outcry is wrong, um, he actually stood up and said, no, we are owning this we were wrong the people who are upset about this are right and that's the, the one thing that i'll sort of draw the difference between um for example when we did see the black ops um, response last year there was an element of um look we're sorry you know um we're sorry if anyone was offended uh, meanwhile there was this whole ongoing um fairly ugly discussion going on in facebook groups um on you know, in, on on the, the the Black Ops page, that was saying that it was just you know soft snowflake you know PC, um, and I never really saw Black Ops at that stage. I think there's you know that they've had an awakening since then, but at that stage, they didn't stand up and sort of say, "Look, guys, thank you for your support, but no, we are wrong." 
And that was the really impressive thing about this. It would have been very, very hard. But uh, mate, I, I, I don't know that. Um, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Go and have a, a look at it. See for yourself. And as always, let us know what you think. Might just quickly throw in there too, Matt. Um, perhaps even the complete opposite way of doing it. If you look up Charlton Brewing Co., which is a, a camera brewery, and describes themselves as known contrarians. Now they they posted a, a fairly ridiculous um, call to violence tweet. Um, and then doubled down when people called them out on it um, and are, are almost rejoicing in the fact now that the last few tweets, which which uh, they've popped up, are um, some emails we, we've received this week, um, which in trying to sort of um, justify their position, have posted tweets that were equally ridiculous in response to their ridiculous tweet. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, without going into it, interesting one to look up, Chalton Brewing Co. Okay, and um, we might pop that in the show notes as well just so people can do that quite easily. Yeah, now speaking of um, uh, clever jokes and pun names and uh, international lawsuits, do you want to get into the trademark infringement bit now? It occurred to me that, A, whilst you, know, you can offend people, um, w- w- with your name, I just sort of threw that in as well, just as a bit of a side issue that you know, even if you don't offend people, you can. You know, we're increasingly seeing discussion about um, trademark infringement and intellectual property. So you know, your clever name, whilst riffing on a well-known product and making it about beer, can actually in- infringe. And so James uh, Omond, who's a listener to the program and a regular contributor, he was on our two hundredth episode podcast, and I'll refer people back to that podcast to, to listen to what James said about these things because I think um, th- th- this is in the uh, against the background of the Guns N' Roses. Uh, Guns N' Rose from uh, Kanaki, formerly Oscar Blues uh, Brewery, they uh, they called it Guns N' Rose. So I've just linked to an article where an intellectual property lawyer has talked about that in the US, but you can hear what our uh, very own intellectual property uh, lawyer uh, said about it uh, back in episode 200 because it is increasingly an issue. So brewers, think before you um, name, I guess. Yeah, and, and just on, on, I guess, those two stories, um, and I'd be keen to hear thoughts from somebody like Zoe Ottaway and Totem Marketing because during Good Beer Week, I got to meet a heap of new people who I hadn't met before who are either social media strategists or are in charge of marketing. Um, how do these names get out? I mean, presumably the owner who who then has to come back and um, respond when there's a criticism either hasn't been in the loop and and should have been or approved the name or the can design or whatever it was in the initial stages. So many more breweries now, and I don't know about Mirage Beer, so I don't know whether they're, you know, not not big enough to have a a social media department. But I think if you're going to use social media to promote your brewery and its products, then you need a social media department or somebody who's who's looking over that and saying, yeah, look, you know, the guys over a couple of beers have come up with this piss funny idea. Uh, In the light of day, maybe we might, you know, trim this down or allude to, you know, Bloods and Crips or whatever it is, but without actually like because because the thing would have worked perfectly if it was just here's two rival gangs like you know the the west side story or the you but, know the but why even do that well i mean but then west side story would become i guess potentially uh trademark well, bodgies and mods or i don't know you know yeah, blackburn well, boys and the lebanese tigers that's who i used to put up with when i was going to school but again the, the two that, local well, gangs but that's going to get you in a whole lot of trouble as well and you know so prof obviously uh, we're not going to put you in charge of naming uh naming anyone's beers if <laughs> if that's your solution but it is oh, i've got more <laughs> Anyway, um, but but that's uh, you know you need to to think about the, the the naming and 
to, to answer your question about why I think it's happening is you know potentially for the same reason that um, you know we've seen issues with um, cans exploding in trade going back three or four years and it's one of those things that people don't like to talk about and if people don't talk about it um, you know and you get away with it you sort of think well you know did it really it, ever happen it, it's a risk worth taking um, and you know at the moment we see we haven't seen any litigation in Australia about um, beer names um, infringing on you know on, on IP but surely it's only a, a matter of time before we do start to see that um, and I think it's always better to, to be proactive with, with these things rather than suddenly have to uh, you know face a, a lawsuit or a major recall to uh, your know, major withdrawal from from the market because you, you're subject to a to a, to a case fair cool um, speaking of withdrawal from the market uh, next headline uh, organizers cancel Sydney beer week uh, City Beer Week has been cancelled indefinitely with organisers citing a decline in registrations and a pullback of sponsorship support. Uh, it was due to run from the 25th of October to the 3rd of November later this year. Uh, Dave Phillips, who we've had on the program before and actually joined us in a conversation about this very topic, said it was appropriate to advise everyone as soon as possible and advise that registration fees would be refunded. So well done to the organisers of Sydney Beer Week um, for getting on the front foot and realising, you know what, this is not going to be viable. But the reasons behind it, I think, are, are probably interesting and, and shows the, the diversity in markets that we have, um, that Australia's biggest city and and really some of the most exciting breweries, venues, uh, events, um, but couldn't get uh, Sydney Beer Week up and running. Yeah. I mean, look, very sad um, news, obviously. Um because uh, beer weeks are a great way to, you know, um, it, it's it's in a way a church for beer. You know, you get to, to commune with, um, with with other like-minded people, and at the same time, it's hopefully pushing the the um, boundaries uh, of inclusiveness for who's coming to to, to beer. The, the flip side is any event is very, very tough to put on. They're very expensive, they're very time-consuming, and that takes a lot of resources, which is why last year... At much much smaller margins too, Matt, we should point out, than I think a lot of people outside of the organisation of these events would, would appreciate. I think you sort of look at, oh, you know, I've got a bill for, you know, X hundred dollars just to register an event. These guys must be absolutely rolling in it. Oh, and yeah, no, and it's one of the ones... Last year I... Um, we decided to do the podcast where we did the live from Good Beer Week, you know, have Good Beer Week, have Beer Weeks had their day. Um, the Because you look at the rise of Good Beer Week in Melbourne and, you know, when, when you look at um, it was a volunteer committee the first year or two, it wasn't a business behind it, it was a bunch of enthusiasts who saw the opportunity. It grew out of, I think, one event. There was the great debate. The second year they decided to do more um, and no one was getting paid you know, well into the life cycle of that event. And now it's a professionally run event that's uh, owned by the IBA, but it grew organically, but it grew very heavily on the passion and sweat labour of um, some people who were pretty broken by the end of every week. Um, yeah. And, you know, Sid, uh, Sydney Beer Week was taken over by Dave's... Uh, um, brewery tours or Dave's travel Dave's and events. Travel and events, yep. um, which is a, a business. And 
so straight away you've got a different perspective you know when when you've got a business going out a for-profit business even if they're not making money out of it they're seen as a for-profit business and ultimately they want to make um, an income from it but it's essentially privately owned even though it's got very uh, altruistic objectives when you're going out to people asking for money they're just going to have a different mindset and different expectation than a completely volunteer body um brisbane's uh bruce vegas is very much the same it's a bunch of bar owners who want to push the boundaries of of good beer um and they run it you know in addition to their businesses they run it purely voluntarily i think they might have a bit of admin support or a bit of paid um work available but it's still very very small scale and i guess you know, as soon as you're running it, you know, people have a different expectation. They want more for their money. They're going to ask questions, where's the money going? But it doesn't change the fact that these things are incredibly time-consuming, very expensive, and very hard to put on. Yeah. The quoted um, pullback of sponsorship support. So where, where do you think that's coming from? Do the sponsors either not have the money to put in or do they not see the value that they do with perhaps other Beer events. From my perspective, when you when you saw some of the events um, that, that we went to, you know, for example, there was the Kegstar Trade Hub that we broadcast from. The audience was us and the panel who was coming up next. You know, there wasn't a public and, uh, and Evan O'Brien and Evan O'Brien. Sorry, Evan was there. To, uh, to didn't get to, to catch O'Brien. up with because we're busy organising the next one. But yeah, but there were a couple of a couple of interested uh, and engaged and educated um, drinkers. You know, listeners, followers, but yeah, so that sort of thing though. Really, we we could have done that on the bus on the way up, or you know, in a shed or Dave's offices, because that really the the value in that was for people to listen to the conversation later as a podcast, rather than being there drinking beers with us and and listening to the the rabble live. It's, well, it's, it's, it's often once, once Joe's tidied it up, it's it's often a much better listen than what it was having to sit through it live. Apart from the fact that, well, at least I've got a beer. Oh, and, and that's but but that's what that, that's what we do. So that, that's what we offer. But if if you're the Sydney Beer Week crew, you know, offering. And I've got no idea whether Kegstar was in or out this year. I'm just sort of highlighting that as an example. But, you know, I did hear feedback from other sort of uh, high-level sponsors who just felt that when you look at what they get in Melbourne, they get a lot more. Um, And so maybe that, um, you know, with so many beer weeks, you know, I'm heading off in June to Western Australia Beer Week um, and uh, there's a trade conference there. We've got Brucon, which is a big investment um, coming up in September, um, we've got Good Beer Week. You know, businesses have to be uh, choiceful, a word that was coined on... Yeah, more choiceful. <laughs> more choiceful. On in, this in, very podcast. <laughs> in their way that they're doing it. And that, that harkens back to the point I was making um, about the ownership model or the, the, the enterprise model behind the week. If, um, you know, if you were seen as a for-profit business even though there's no profit in it and I know that Dave will probably cavil no. about me calling it a for-profit but he, he he's is a business not a charitable venture running the week and that does create perceptions and I, I do wonder whether that made it harder to for example get passionate volunteers to help you you know build your program and do social media and those sorts of things or whether you're trying to do that all with uh, paid work which again means that um it, it, it's, it's one person or two people are going to be, you know, working frantically hard to try and do the work that maybe, uh, you know, a not-for-profit group like uh, uh, Bruce Vegas had a committee of ten all sharing um, 
the the, the, the load. I, yeah. I, I, and I look, the, the other the other uh, the elephant in the room, Matt, is probably, and it happens with all uh, well organised beer weeks, is that you will always get. Uh, the outliers who will organise an event that just happens to fall during that good beer week or whatever it might be, Sydney Beer Week, uh, but don't actually sign up and support. So capitalise on the attention. Yeah, yeah. Which are the official program. and look, that, that, that's that's part of it. And I'm sure that that there would have been venues who would have said, no, I'm not paying a registration fee, but I'm still going to have a, an event because you know at the end of the day, the brewers are going to be in town. Uh, I've looked after this bloke. I've always got a, a tap of his on, so he's going to come and do a an event at my uh, restaurant slash bar slash venue. Um, which, yeah, really doesn't help. But I don't know that there's a lot you can do um, to police that. But anyway... um, But look, the the good news is that, as Dave said, he was on the front foot, realised that it wasn't going to be viable. He's communicated it very early um, so people don't engage extra effort beyond what they've already done. He said that uh, registration fees would be refunded and hopefully um, you know, he can get it back up and running in, in uh, another guise or you know, in, in future. Yeah. I, I did see too, Matt. I don't know whether you saw a couple of uh, posts uh, on um, posts where this was announced suggesting that stay tuned, um, we're going to pick up something, you know, we're going to have a go at something. So there's a couple of other groups that seem to be looking at a New South Wales Beer Week or or doing something, in a, like I say, in a different guise at a different time. Matt, to coin a phrase, craft beer abhors a vacuum, and so no doubt somebody will go and fill that void in some capacity. Yeah. <laughs> so much for uh, these being the in brief. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, very quickly, um, have you tried any of Australia's ultimate top 50 beers of 2019? I, I absolutely have. Um, so we... we Decide, we, we talked about the teasers last week. So this is the results of the beer cartel. But it, now this is separate to the, the beer cartel survey, isn't it? Or is this... No, this is separate to the beer cartel. Um, yeah. What they do is they go and look at the results of the Gab's Hottest 100. Then they look at the rate beer, the untapped and the beer advocate lists and essentially merge those. Um, there's a booklet that you can um, download that goes through a lot of detail about how they uh, tell how they come up with the results. But it's a way to... Yeah, every year, Prof, we have to have the discussion about Gab's Hottest 100 Yes, it is a popularity contest. Um, whereas I think rate beer yeah. and beer advocate try and hold themselves out as being a you know a little bit different in the in the way that they approach. So it's not just purely a popularity contest and then untapped. And so they try and go through. They've got a metric that tries to give some standardisation across all of those um, vectors uh, or all of those results to come up with what they what they say is according to that metric is the uh, top fifty beers for twenty nineteen and. Uh, um, go read it. Um, there was some. You know, I, I, I like the fact that there is a um, a real blend. Again, it throws up a whole lot of different beers than than we get in the other lists in, individually. Um, but once again, Bolter comes out on top. A bit of different Bolter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, independent breweries certainly dominated the list. I think it were forty seven of the fifty top spots uh, went to independent breweries, which I think, you know, that that's a, a reflection not only of the way that I guess this little part of the industry is going, but it does also highlight that if you're looking at, you know, people who do untapped and uh, rate beer and all of those sort of things, it's the pointy end of the pointy end. Yeah, so it's, absolutely. It's, the three percent of the three percent. So the the results aren't particularly uh, surprising prof. or amazing. Oh, five point nine percent. Five point nine. You're not keeping up with your. I haven't own. listened. I haven't listened back to our. No, I did. No, but well, you know, we just call it the three percent, don't we? I know. Yeah, shorthand. Yeah. But we'll have exactly. to update. Have to update that. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> our last headline topic. How to win untapped or any other online beer rating. Which is a nice little, this was uh, posted to our uh, Facebook page. Um, and again, it's just uh, probably doesn't worth, uh, uh, need too much of a, a deep dive. Um, thank you to our Facebook. I think it was, was it Daniel Reed? Um, yes, I think so. Who's a frequent uh, poster. Um, but it just sort of looks at some observations. The mad fermentationist. Um, has come up with some observations for how to, you know, create a beer that rates very highly on uh, untapped and other socially, you know, other ratings services. So it was, it was quite an interesting read, sort of looking at topics such as um, having a big um, or uh, accessible flavours, uh, yep. exclusivity. Um, people love to be, you know, have, tick something that no one else has had. Um, shelf stability and control um, and reputation are some of the things that you know he saw as key and uh, that, that feeds in quite nicely to that little story from um, Beer Cartel. Yeah, exactly. Deeper dive? Deeper dive. So I think the big topic of the week was, and again, we talk about, you know, story, you know, call and response, if you like. So um, there was a statement released by Wayward regarding their Gabs beer, which was the uh, collaboration that they had done called Coffee and Donuts. Uh, and the statement read, at the time of kegging and canning, the beer tasted exactly as we anticipated. It wasn't until we attended Melbourne Gabs around a month later that we became aware that some of our house lactobacillus strain, um, brackets, the same that we use in our Raspberry Berliner Weiss and all our other sour beers, close brackets, had come into contact with coffee and donuts during the production process, imparting a tart note in the beer. Um, and it's fair to say uh, the switchboard lit up. Yes, it did, uh, with people sort of going, good on you um, for, for owning it. Um, as many people are saying, well, you should never have released it. And uh, and that's why I just wanted to counterpoint uh, their statement um, with something that Craig Williams from Gabs, um, who's a good friend of the show. I know he's a regular listener, um, so shout Very out to Craig. So. Um, but he posted uh, this context-putting statement. Uh, Hi, team. Just to put this all into perspective from the organisers of Gabs, the very re unique element about Gabs is that we're asking 170-plus businesses to make a product they've never made before, all for release on the same day at the same event. We're asking those businesses to write tasting notes for a beer that's only a concept at the time to include in our guide, which is printed often well before the beer is brewed. Most of the time, it's spot on, which says a lot about the level of craft brewing expertise in Australia. I can't guarantee you that when Gabs first started, there were likely a lot, of, a lot more misses than hits. It's an ambitious idea, but one that reflects the creativity and innovation inherent to craft beer. In Wayward's case, the beer picked up some sour notes after brewing and packaging. It's no way an infection, but more an unexpected flavour profile that wasn't referenced in the original 35-word tasting note. We think the beer tastes great, but like many Gabs beers, which is very much for, which very much fall in the experimental boundary-pushing range, people are welcome to form their own uh, opinions about it. We give massive kudos to Wayward, who we regard as one of the best uh, breweries um, for responding to the mixed reviews they've had, and I ask you all not to judge it as a bad batch of a brewery's most loved beer, but for what it is, the very first batch of a highly experimental beer aimed at taking your palate in the new direction. So I, I think um, TLDR version of that is you need to look at these beers, flaws you know, or warts and all, um, unintended uh, uh, outcomes and all in the context of Gab's beers, even when they do come to be released commercially and the brewers would most likely take a different approach were they brewing these beers commercially in the first place, Prof. 
Yeah, and part of the criticism, I guess, from the other side is that, well, you know, plenty of other brewers have scratched their beers because it, it didn't come up to, uh, well, the argument is, oh, well, it, it, that didn't that beer didn't come up to what you expected it to, so why wouldn't you pull this one, which didn't come up to what you expected it to? There's a big difference between not coming up what you expected it to be uh, and, oh, hang on, no, this is actually either undrinkable or I don't want to put my name to this. And probably, look, famous, it, it happens to all breweries. I think most famously in terms of the Gabs context, if you look at three, three, three Gabs ago now, three years ago, Feral uh, withdrew their Eurovision train wreck, which was a very ambitious project, which basically, for those who don't know, uh, they wanted to take a unique native ingredient from each of the competing Eurovision song contest countries and, and create a beer, <laughs> which, which, you know, look, and look, Brendan and Will laugh about it still to this day, but there was no way they were going to to release it because it just it just didn't work. It just wasn't a pleasant experience. Um, other breweries will say, "Well, look, this is the way it's supposed to taste. If you don't like it, then you know there are 169 other beers uh, that you can choose to fill your paddle with, um, and and don't worry about you know, that, that one that hasn't come up." But I think because you see scratched, 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 maybe four or five. Um, before each gab starts on the on the board, you sort of go, oh, that's disappointing. I was really hoping to try that. But it also then puts in your mind, if you have a beer that, that isn't to your liking or you think hasn't hit the mark, that you can then say, oh, that should have had a scratch sticker over it as well, which I think is – so I, I kind of get it from, from both points of view, but I, I think it beautifully highlights exactly um, what gabs is all about how it started, how it celebrates innovation, and how, you know, sometimes if life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. Mate, look, absolutely. And it also, to me, shows just how hard this brewing thing is. When you get a brewery that is putting out consistently good beer every time, you can see how much trial and error goes into, and, and skill um, goes yeah, exactly. into doing that. And Matt, doesn't doesn't it highlight? And we've we've spoken a little bit about this before because different brewers, again, there are two two different um, uh, sides of the of the argument. If you are going to do any sours, then you don't do them in my brewery, or you, you know, like you do them out in the car park, or you get I, I don't know, you, you like you you really want to keep those um, organisms that those bacteria out of your your regular brewing. Well, scheme. Whereas others say you can do it as long as you clean it all properly. Um, I'm sure Way would clean it all properly, but as it's shown in this particular instance, it's only got to be one little O-ring or one little connector or one flange or you know whatever it might be that harbours the bacteria that then goes into a beer that it wasn't intended to go into. And and don't forget that these are uh, airborne um, things, and I, I guess you know th th these are the areas where as um, industry observers, um, our views need to be put very much in context that we aren't. Uh, we, we don't have uh, PhDs in microbiology. We're not uh, trained brewers, um, but we do spend a lot of time talking to brewers. And this is one that I've found there is a real um, convergence of opinion. You go down and speak to Ben Krause. And I remember when I first got to go down to see uh, Bridge Road and the beautiful um, Oak Furter, um, where he does all of his uh, Britannomyces, you know, 100% Britannomyces. Mayday Hills Range. Mayday yep. Hills Range, sitting right in the middle of a brewery that is producing a whole lot of non-sour Clean, beers. crisp non-sour <laughs> beers. Um, and you sort of say to him, mate, are you at all worried that there could be some, uh, you know, sort of escapees um, tunnelling out of there and getting into your other beers? And he goes, no, nope, you know, we, we know what we're doing. We sort of uh, uh, do it. 
but then even last night, uh, I had the, the Beer Book Club in Brisbane. I had uh, Jimmy from Maddock uh, in talking about his range of Belgian beers. He's a uh, classically Belgian-trained brewer. Um, and he's you know he's got a beautiful saison. He's got a beautiful wit beard. Does a, um, a a Belgian blonde, a triple, a quad. Um, he does a Belgian strong ale, and you know I just sort of love having a local. And I just said, mate, are, are you going to do anything, you know, wild and funky? Are you going to do any sour age beers? And he just looked at me as if I was mad, sort of saying, no, you don't no. do that. You know, <laughs> you just don't do that because it is so hard to clean, as you said, Prof. You know, it is so hard to uh, to, to maintain. So um, obviously conflicting ranges of opinions um, amongst brewers and we've seen in this case that uh, you know regardless of the the issue of of this particular beer that you know stuff can happen and the other thing too Matt we should point out is that part of the criticism was because that particular the wayward beer was also included in the Gab's mixed six-pack which was available through Dan Murphy's and BWS uh, once once Gab's had I think Gabs Melbourne had finished. Um, it's then available nationally. So there was a you know a, a selection basically of canned or bottled product uh, representing you know what was seen to be at the time of printing. Um, these are a great showcase of of innovation, but it's not you know going too far. Some of the criticism was that well, hang on, somebody's going to buy that, and the can obviously that was printed has the tasting notes on it saying this is going to taste like coffee and donuts. Oh, um, nothing about it being sour. Yeah, and that, that, that's spot on. And I guess the you know taking the statement from uh, Wayward at face value, um, they tasted it before it left the brewery. They were happy with it. It was only after it was packaged that these notes came in. And I guess that goes back to that question of whether or not you should be using. Um, you know, uh, funky yeast in your mainstream uh, brewery if you are going to be packaging because you may not un- unless you actually plate it and you know thoroughly test it other than just a sensory panel um, these things can come up in trade and they can de- yeah develop down the track yeah. develop down the track and that's when you can start having issues um, and we're today we're going to be as we record this we're going to be in fact our recall panel is out um, and you know that's when you, you could start having some of the issues that we talk about there yeah worth definitely worth having listened to hey listen Matt obviously it would have been very difficult to repackage um, the Gabs six pack you couldn't withdraw that beer I don't know. Can you think of any other alternative that they they could have um, perhaps you know looked at as a as a way of um, I don't know rebadging relabeling the product? Yeah, profit. You know, as I said, for all of the reasons that uh, we, we've discussed, I don't know that they had to, and I think they handled it appropriately. But if they were looking for solutions, perhaps putting a new label on the existing packaging. Might but Matt, you can't you can't just go and relabel them all. Surely you'd need some sort of like a slip over uh, shrink wrap kind of solution. Do you Maybe. see where this is going, listeners? <laughs> Maybe Seamless. <laughs> Maybe there is a solution, Prof, because <laughs> Rowling's labels and stickers, uh, you know, they have these printed sleeves, Prof, that can slip over a can. And uh, whether you need... What? You, you don't have to do sixty or 80,000 the way you have to do with printed cans. You can get a much smaller uh, number. And, you know, what these guys do is they print shrinkable sleeves which slip over the entire can and then they shrink the sleeve using heat and what you end up with is a really impressive finished product. Now, Prof... That's great if you're doing silver bullets. 
I don't know whether it would be a solution for if you've already got your can out there and you wanted to, you know, maybe put a label over it or a sticker over it the way that, you know, record manufacturers had to do when it was in trade. But, you know, Prof, even though I don't have the answers, I know somebody who does. Would that be Brad and or Paul at Rowling's Labels? And could I contact them on 1300 852 235 to discover a more efficient way to get our small batch canning labels done? And also to find out whether you could correct your mistakes or hide your mistakes by putting a shrink wrap label on. (laughs) Well, perhaps we'll just call it if you could um, update your tasting notes by using one of those. Uh, <laughs> because, I mean, look, the first thing that comes to mind, uh, it, it, depending on the number of styles of beer that you have, you know, in this case, we're just talking about one. But, you know, if I was to, to go and get, like you said, 60000 or even 80000 in one hit, um, that can get really expensive and play havoc with my cash flow. Um, and, and then I've got the cost of new plates um, if I need to change any artwork, and that can run into thousands of dollars. It could, mate. And I, I, I think we're going to have to charge double for this uh, little ad. That was, was that an ad? <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, I don't know. I don't know if you could tell, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other thing you're going to tell me, Matt, is that it looks and feels like a fully printed can, but with the minimum order quantities much lower. Absolutely. Now we'll. Uh, can they also print bulk runs, which is charged at the time of printing, but then hold on to the stock until I need them, which saves me on space and aids my cash flow? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Prof. Uh, um, Forty. Three minutes in, we uh, <laughs> are going to do hey, it. Hey, we, we violated the cook limit last week. No, well, we, we did, but I'm just sort of talking. We're about... off the leash. We can talk whatever we talk about whatever we like. But, but we've got we our deep dives to, to come. Talk about our sponsors. No, that was our deep dive. That was it, the wayward. Yeah, but, oh, oh sorry, that, that's true. That was one of them. But we also have uh, um, Brewdog to talk about. And, and we've already... No, no, we've already, we've already talked about Brewdog, and we're, get, we're just going to tell people, go and listen to the podcast, The Beer is a Conversation episode with Martin Dickey, where Matt talks to Martin, and I'm not going to get into the whole bit about... But listen to the bit where he tries oh, to compare Brewdog to McDonald's. No, no, no. Oh, I don't want to sort of do that. But just, listeners, when you when you listen to it, just yeah, let, let me know what you think about, um, you know, have, having read the uh, coverage that uh, everyone else has done, um, the, the answers are pretty much the same. And you hear uh, Martin trot out the, the, the same answer about, you know, we, we've got this brewery. Um, it's a big brewery. It's a greenfield site. Of course, it's going to take, you know, 30 months to do. Um, and you say, well, okay, if, if of course, you know, if you've done these four other breweries and you've got experience, it, and of course it's going to take uh, 30 months to, to come out of the ground, why did you tell us you were going to be done in six? You know, either Brewdog, um, you know, they haven't learned, um, either they're, uh, they don't know what they're doing and they're making it up as they go along, or, you know, as uh, Luke Robertson from Ale of a Time said on Twitter this week, words just don't have any meaning and they'll say whatever they have to. Disappointing. <laughs> nice little suit. Well, anyway, so listen to the podcast and we might, so depending on the feedback, uh, we'll see what people say. Um, but yes, disappointing was it was an interesting one this week, Prof. Um that was a word that turned out to have far more meaning than anyone could have appreciated. So for those who who, do, who missed it, it, was a craft beer crew. It was a little uh, one, of, craft beer crew. One, of, one of the one of the Facebook groups um, that that kind of encourages reviews and you know discussion. sharing new beers well, and uh, and then opening the discussion opened with the one word disappointing to which you, you replied with many 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 words. <laughs> somebody who um somebody who had gone to the effort to get a glass. Um, a very well chilled not, not glass. glass. <laughs> but it was it was a rather ornate glass. Um, and again, like anyways, uh, we we didn't shame him for that glass. But he went to the effort to get a glass. He went to do a, a very elegant pour. Um, he took a photo. 
he went to the effort to um, post that all to Craft Beer Crew. And then he just sort of said, disappointed or disappointing. Disappointing. Um, and look, you know, I, to, to me, like I look at a lot of stuff that I shake my head at, um, but every now and then you just get your hackles up a little bit. And it's not sort of calling this person out personally. It's not a sort of personal attack on him, but it's something that you do see over and over and over again in Facebook groups. Um, and we, we talked about that lovely little uh, post last week about what if your beer could um, review you. And this was one of those cases where, and I just sort of had to ask him, you know, what does disappointing even mean? Because it, it was the, the beer that they talked about was um, Fixation's uh, um, Squish. Squish. Now, Fixation has won, I think, the only ever trophy um, or gold medal at the Australian International Beer Awards for, was it the ALBAs or was it the uh, Indies Prof? No, no, it was the ALBAs. Because we first... presented it last year. We did. So it was the um, reward of excellence, recognition of excellence. So it was uh, Fixation IPA had won a gold medal in the same category three years three in years a row. Three years in a row. But Squish has won a gold medal. Um, so did Weinstefan also uh, oh, what, what, did Weinstefan. their okay. so, but, Apologies. But so Fixation was the first local brewery to do it, yes. yes. So you've, you've got a brewery They're no that, slouches is what we're saying. They're no slouches and it is a very highly regarded beer. Um and I just sort of think that if you're going to, you know, weigh in on a site that has thousands of followers, and if you, you know, you were in perfectly entitled to your opinion, and mm. <laughs> while we, but uh, you need to, you need to put a little bit of meat on the bones to be fair. Um, I, I, I think you should, and prof, an opinion is a view or judgment formed about something, not necessarily based on fact or knowledge, and uh, so yes, an opinion doesn't have to be informed. It is just that. Um, but I think that if you're going to weigh in and essentially shit-can something, I think it, 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 it's a sign of respect to the brewer and the, the, the business and also to the other people there to sort of say, well, if it's disappointing, based on my subjective, yeah. what was I expecting? I'd heard Yeah, this, I expected this, but I got this. And this is what or, I experienced this. Yeah, uh, and, and perhaps, you know, uh, yes, it was a fresh can or yes, I got it straight from the brewery. Here's the or by date. All of those sorts yeah. of things, but just to yeah. dismiss it, and that came against the background of you know we we read out a um, email uh, on on the podcast recently where the partner of a brewer talked about the struggles that she's seen her partner and I've also, we've also spoken ourselves to brewers who just shake their heads and you know yeah yep. most the effect of this, that words can have that we, that we perhaps don't appreciate that when we we hit send we go well that's that's the end of it. Yeah, um, but it's yeah. You know, whereas, in fact, it's actually the beginning. And and, and we operate, prof. You know, in in, a, in, a, in an environment where our work is on show for the world, and we presume to comment on the work of others. And so, you know, people are going. You know, if if somebody wants to wade in and say, <laughs> "Bruce News, disappointing." <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, I still think it's uh, a little bit contemptuous because we do go to the effort and I go to considerable effort to explain myself. Um, and in this particular <laughs> instance, I can't believe old mate asked for more information, please. <laughs> so you gave it to him. Well, You give him, you give him a 300-word essay yeah. to start with oh, and, and you follow and, it up with a thousand word and, and to be fair I was, the, the second post was being a little bit of a smart ass it, um, it was the, the, the first one was just sort of saying look you know if you're going to say disappointing you know what was it you, you were perfectly entitled to voice your subjective opinion because that's what beer is 
but surely you know you you owe it to the rest of us and particularly to the brewer and Sam Bethune from uh, Fixation actually he was very very dignified in his response and sort of you know very very gentlemanly in his response but the brewer had obviously seen that beer and I sort of think that the review yeah seen the review yeah. I did see the observation. Followed the story, yeah. Um, and and so and so this guy just basically said, "Thanks for your essay, Matt. You know, four out of ten. Um, you know, try harder." And that was the point that I thought, right? If you're going to be a knob about it, and you're not even going to sort of take what I thought was fairly valid criticism, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah old, old mate did double down. Um, yeah. And and, and that's he, where he could, he could have walked away. He, well, or he could have sort of said, yeah, "Okay, to well, each their own," and it's and it's everybody's right. If we, as you say, we're in the business of, I guess, you know, news, views, and opinions, um, all of which, you know, the, the news we just give it to you. Here it is. Then we'll give you an opinion on what way what we think of it. Um, but at the end of the day, too, it's behoven upon us to put our heads above the parapet and and cop any flack, or you know, we're not going to we're not going to hide from anything we say. And I think that's again, it's it's a two parter. If you're going to if you're going to, if you're going to say something, then you've got to also be prepared to, to back it up. And I just think it's you know respectful that you know it, it's certainly not helpful just to say disappointing. And you know it, it, as much as I don't want to personalise it, it just makes when when you've got a you know a flowery glass and you've gone to some effort to print to do a three D photo was a beautiful that was picture. pointless, um, and then you just say disappointing. You just look like a flog and a ticker. Um, if you're not going to, maybe maybe it was all the effort that he put into to set up the picture, but he was wasn't actually happy with the picture. Perhaps it was the picture. <laughs> really? Well, that but, was but disappointing. So, anyway, the, the, the reason I'm going into so much explanation is because I, I don't know if you saw, Prof. That um, in amongst all of the discussion, somebody sort of said, you know, why all of the fuss? If he'd said awesome, no one would question him. And I really um, reflect on that. I thought, well, yeah, that, that's probably true. Um, I mean, I, I don't think awesome is any more did your, helpful. No, did, no, no, it's not. But did your mother also say to you at any point during your young life that if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all? Yes. Like, I don't know why people post pictures of beer that they didn't like or sink pause. You just, just keep it yourself. It, it, it's ticking maybe, maybe and it's showing off and it's, you know, floggedness to create a, you know, um, <laughs> a, a phrase. I, I did reflect on that. So I think, well, yeah, absolutely. Awesome is no more helpful to anybody. But at the same time, when you've got businesses that have invested very heavily in you know tens hundreds of thousands of dollars millions of dollars in capital you are posting on a public website you you know your opinion is part of a stream of opinions that can hurt a brand and you know and also have a personal effect on people that if you are going to be negative i think you have a, a you know a, an obligation to at least provide a little bit of um, you, you have more of an obligation to justify that opinion than somebody who's saying something positive. Exactly, and well said. And somebody else who invests heavily in this industry is Beer Cartel. And all letter writers who uh, send something into us that goes into our mailbag will receive a Brews News bottle opener and they will also go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor our Letter of the Week. Don't forget to review us on iTunes or send us an email to be in the draw for the Letter of the Week. Um, this week, five new reviews on iTunes. Uh, as Joe said, if you ask. It's, it's amazing what happens if you ask. If you don't ask, you don't get. And she, she weighed Joe in. put out, hey, send one out. And people. <laughs> it was interesting too, the number of people who said, oh, I've just had a insert beer name here. Which wasn't disappointing, um, and then I put up a review. So I don't, you don't necessarily uh, like need to have one or two in you before you write nice things about us. But I should point out that um, 
all those reviews gave us five stars. So thank you very much. And we have everyone. an overall five star review, which is which is very nice. And and with a number thirty food podcast in Korea, Prof. We're in Korea. We're, we're, we're big in Korea. <laughs> Haven't cracked Japan excellent. yet, but we'll we'll see. But uh, no, we're, we're working on it. We're working on just one Southeast Asian nation at a time. Now, admittedly, um, the reviews came from people who uh, had been prompted from the Facebook group. So it's fairly. It's not exactly a random sampling of listeners. So listeners. If you do listen to us uh, waffle on, uh, be opinionated, call you a flog, um, or anything else that you don't agree with, you are, you know, we would encourage you to give us a review as well, um, either on, don't just say... No, we can take it. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> we, we can take it, but don't just say disappointing. <laughs> That's right. Don't leave a one tell word. Tell us tell how we can improve. We're, we're very... Ray, Razor Phil is one who said, uh, invaluable source of what's going on within the Australian beer industry. Each week, I wait patiently for Prof and Matt to provide me the latest updates on all things beer industry, and it never disappoints. Uh, these two know their stuff, and I've learned so much as a beer fan, and provides me with some very useful information as I work on the fringe of the industry. Interesting. I'd like to know what that is, Phil. Uh, I also love the midweek beer as a conversation episodes as they give a face, or should that be a voice, to the craft beer sector. I love understanding the backstories of brewers and breweries as it makes their beer taste just that little bit better when I finally get to taste them. <laughs> It's um, like a virtual a virtual bintang effect. <laughs> that that was a, 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 a common theme oh. through them all where people uh, name you know, playing uh, bruising as bingo um, with us. Yeah. The formula of Matt and Pete is special, and that is why I enjoy peak hour on a Friday afternoon so I can get a beer fixed before actually cracking a can. Thanks very much for that, Phil. Um, would you like to read one? Now, DJR XR6 turned out to be one of our Daniel regular... Reed. From memory, it was Daniel Ridd, wasn't it? I yes. think we've got a few. Oh, okay. um, so I just will name check Daniel. I don't, yeah, so so thank you, Daniel. But everyone who reviewed us on iTunes, if you can just email us your postal address so we can send you a bar blade and you're in the running um, for the six pack of the week. But I just want to go to Bobby Sensational four years! Exclamation point. I realized I've been listening to Matt and Prof and the team for four years, marked each year with the hop report. Um, we feel a little bit that way ourselves. I think we've done eight of them, Prof. Um, the show structure has progressed over that time and it is the best beer podcast in Oz. That's very generous. I agree with Matt and his love for booze, punters and stone great lo- Stone's great logistics. Also, when an episode of Brews News is finished, I immediately turn on Tay-Tay really loud and think about Nipa with added lactose. <laughs> turn it up loud. Um, now, another one, and yeah, in terms of the uh, apropos of the people playing bruise news bingo saison slinging booze hound said <laughs> informative and entertaining if he'd said saison slinging booze punter would have been um you would have you would have got the quaddy uh informative and entertaining great show really happy they include their production date and enjoy by date in the show notes <laughs> it's a week <laughs> do we we should if we don't we should well, in a way, we did what we say brewers should do because we realised that our show, when it had the podcast, and when the news and the conversation together, that it didn't have the same shelf life as the weekly right. news. So, as, as we said, our weekly news, you want to enjoy within seven days. Enjoy by, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we're going to go out to all of your uh, podcast platforms and recall... Any unlistened to uh, episodes beer, because they'll be old by then. Here's a conversation um, on the, and other the other hand. Two, and the thing that I loved that was um, a common theme through the most recent of our um, reviews um, is the equal doses of entertainment and information, which Saison Slinging Booze Hound used. And I think that's, you know, it, it's got to be entertaining. 
because otherwise, I can tell you now, I couldn't be asked doing it. Well, if, hope, yeah. if it didn't entertain my tiny mind for a little while. And we did, uh, we've got one that we held over from last week, which we probably should. <laughs> we've held over a couple of weeks. So even so though got, we're coming up to yeah. an hour, we will cover. Do you want to read that but out, from, Prof? From, from Wayne in Canberra via uh, our email. Firstly, glad that breweries are generally following my own personal preferences and aligning with the quality over quantity principle as I get older. I live in Canberra, which these days has Bentspoke Capital, Brewing, Zeeholtz, and at the tiny end, Wignalls. In the past five months, we've seen the closure of the Wigan Pen Brewery, which is indeed sad, and even more recently, the pause in the Pack Brewing Gypsy operation. Uh, now, Wayne has moved six years ago from Wellington back to Canberra. Uh, at the time, there were a few brewery options in Wellington open to the public. He goes through a lot of those. Um, can't keep up, but at latest count, he's visited 13 of them. That's a pretty fair effort. Uh, although, Wellington's probably oh, a little bit blessed over there because you can walk to many of them, um, as well as to many of the uh, the venues that serve those beers, which Mate, is pretty you handy. Can, you, you can trip over one foot and uh, dust yourself off and be the... You go, oh, hang on, I'm at another, <laughs> another great bar. So one of the most noticeable things is that it seems so much easier for breweries to open in Wellington, whether it be location or size. The recent Mean Doses is a tiny operation relying on takeaway growlers uh, and squealers, so that's two litre and one litre. Apparently, they will fill anything except maybe old paint tins. <laughs> How can it survive when a gypsy operation like PAC cannot? Good point. I can only assume it's a combination of local government regulations, food laws, alcohol regulation, and property rental costs, or do Kiwis just drink more? It makes me think that it's inevitable that small breweries are on the way out and middle-sized breweries forced to think big and we'll end up with everything being commercially volume-driven again. Just on that point, Matt, um, speaking to a lot of brewers again recently, you'd be mad to go with either uh, anything in between, a large production facility, and let's use uh, you know Brick Lane, uh, Hawkers, Stone and Wood, Bolter, that sort of size, mm -hmm. or your little brew pub sort of operation um, where you've got a, a restaurant uh, tap room, so you've got those those streams of revenue. Anything in between, it's kind of it, it's really hard to be big and 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 scale down, and it's even harder to be very small and to to scale up. Funnily enough, Prof, look, I, I agree with you, but I'll just qualify that by saying there was a medium which we've referenced elsewhere um, posted a, an article last week, a how-to guide to to product market fit. And it included the line, um, a key takeaway from Ratchleff's remarks, and that was a speaker, is that markets matter more than anything else. You can develop the best product in the world, but if the product isn't meeting a significant must-have customer user need, it's a pointless endeavor. Funnily enough, um, I flicked that line off to Zozo, um, Zoe, our good friend from Total Marketing, and sort of asked whether she'd come on to discuss that because I thought that was a really interesting thing. You know, I've become increasingly uh, um, focused on ideas and nothing, executions, everything. And that was another way of saying that. Or as I posted uh, the immortal Ari Gold into our Facebook post this week, lecturing Turtle on, you know, everyone's got a good idea, but it's how you execute. Um, and so I sent that off to Zoe. Um, and she said, uh, we discussed this uh, at length at the brewery startup session. It could be a week. Businesses, not just breweries, need to identify what they do, what they make, what the market wants, and what are the gaps. You can brew the best bloody beer in the world, and I guess presumably you can sell the best bloody beer in the world in your um, bar. But if you can't sell it, you don't have a profitable business. That's a fact. The reason you can't sell it may not even be for the beer. It could be for the brand positioning and not having a product that people relate to. Uh, to expect the consumer to buy your beer just because you think that it is good isn't enough. 
I know it's a, I'm a broken record on this one, but breweries have to know their target consumer. Uh, anyone can buy your beer, but not everyone is your customer. The person that buys one single bottle once or twice a year isn't bringing profit to your company. It's the loyal, biased customer that is constantly purchasing cases or six-packs who, for them, are your number one choice every time. Marketing isn't about you. It's about them. Yep, and telling all their mates as well. The the old word of mouth is the best and most effective and cheapest advertising. Yeah, and everyone's got a good idea. And, you know, everyone's got a good idea for a bar. Everyone's got a good idea for a brewery. Everyone's got a good idea for a beer name. None of that actually matters unless there is an or there is fertile ground for that seed to plant itself in. Yeah, exactly. And just to Wayne's point, and, and thanks again, uh, Wayne from Canberra. Um, the I, I've heard, particularly uh, if you look at say Wellington, uh, I, there are so many places, and you can you can you can work in town, and you can uh, either a short bus or a walk. So not everyone has to commute. So if you're not driving, you're more likely to say, oh, I might just walk pass because i've got all these great little bars i might just have you know they might only have three taps but they're always got something new so i'm going to pop in there and i'm just going to have a sneaky one in there and then on the rest of my walk home ah, uh, you know what i'll have another one because i've just seen on untapped or whatever you know somebody's um just tapped up something else new so i think that um cultural mindset has something to do um and, and look it could also be the food laws the alcohol regulation property rental costs i know i don't know what it's like in brisbane but i know it's a, it's a killer down here for a lot of uh, a lot of businesses so there's probably a number of factors um that, that create uh a a very vibrant sort of um community and uh, um and retail force and likewise or, or, or the opposite side of that coin the reason that um, small breweries, gypsy operations like Pact, perhaps have to wind down is is those similar sorts of, you know, the crowded market um, and, and a million other things. But thank you very much, Wayne, for your email. And just on, just on that, Prof, just before you go, I might throw into that, we won't discuss it here, but there was an awesome article that I've shared um, to, to both to the Brews News page and then also to the uh, Radio Brews News group um, yep. from Pete Brown talking about you know, just the aesthetics oh, of yes, beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, if you want to appeal to a broader broader audience, um, that's something that we need to consider. So, uh, yeah, so I'll just throw that in as a link just to add to your remarks there just as another factor to consider. Yep, exactly. And on that note, Matt, I think it is time to wind this thing up and smack it on the bum and send it home happy with a beer in its hand. This has been uh, the latest episode of Good Brews Week. Thank you very much to Cryo Malt, to Rellings Labels and Stickers, and to Beer Cartel, who look after us in terms of being able to produce this and bring it to you. Thank you very much to Joe, who makes it all sound great and puts in all the funny bits that uh, we can't do. And most importantly, as I do every week, I would like to thank all of our listeners for making this possible. Because at the end of the day, if it's us just talking, well, you know, It'd be fairly boring. And Matt, thank you very much to you for joining us again and co-hosting. My pleasure, Prof. I want you to sort of add, to, because I can't let you have the last word, although I, you, you do. Um, uh, just wanted to also thank, you know, th- there's not many of them, but the the uh, listeners who do just chip in a little bit every month uh, to help the production costs, help cover the cost of uh, Joe's time and energies, um, give us new microphones. Um, if, if you do like what we do and you think that, you know, a cup of coffee a month um, or more, um, maybe a uh, six-pack of finest uh, craft beer is is uh, the value that you're getting from the podcast. Maybe you want to uh, click the link in the show notes and 
you know, set up a donation either one-off or recurring. And uh, to the guys that do do that, we don't like to call you out individually because we're not sure whether you want to be identified as financial sponsors, but we do thank you and we really do appreciate the uh, the, the generosity of your support. Very much so. Here, here. Thanks for that, Matt. And uh, now, have we, we haven't yet determined who is going to get the Beer Cartel six-pack of the week. <laughs> we probably um, do need to announce it. Okay. Who, um, well, yeah, who, who do you reckon? Uh, I think... W- was there one well, that stood I, out I, I think... I think Bobby Sensational for, for fitting so many um, Bobby Sensational key, key words. Bobby, if you can email well, actually to, to all of the um, people who's re- reviewed us on iTunes and if yep, including done, Beer Trooper, Beer yeah, Trooper who yeah. we didn't we didn't get to read out. Yes, um, please shoot us through an email so we can, with your address so we can post you at the very least a uh, Bruce News Barblade um, and Bobby Sensational a six pack as well. Um, and just if there are any listeners, because I know that there is like there's Spotify these days. We're available on uh, every week. I discover a new platform that we're available on that you may be listening, and they seem to rate the, their own sites that don't flow through to us. If you do rate us elsewhere, please shoot us a note so we can um, go and, and read your review because it doesn't yeah, just cut, cut, cut and paste it and send it to us or pop it in on um, and let us know uh, where you listen to us. I'm interested in what platform. Yes, yep, and don't forget the Facebook uh, group. Radio Brews News Facebook group. Um, if you'd like to join us, two ways you can do that. One is you can put in the secret word, which is soapbox. Thanks very much for listening to right to the end to get that code, <laughs> code word. Or you just answer the question, uh, how did you hear about us? Or when do you listen to us? Or how did you hear about the group? How, how did you hear about the group? Right. Yes. Yeah, whatever the question is. Thanks very much to all of you. And we'll catch you again next week. Cheers, Matt. Cheers, Prof. And we're out. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer.